0: well hello everybody welcome to church at home Uh, my name is jp i'm part of the staff team here i'm married to emma we've got uh, a couple of kids and it's my privilege to welcome you this morning especially if if this is your first time joining us it's so good to uh, have you here as part of our, our church family this morning you are so welcome and god has given us a vision as a church he has asked us to build a thriving community that reaches Nottingham with the gospel and replicates this across the UK. I was uh, hearing a story just this week actually of uh, a lady who, who refound faith during lockdown and she's been uh, part of one of our home groups, really thriving in that context. And then this week getting in touch to see how she could join one of our serving teams to bless others. It's a great example of our, our vision in action. And we spoke uh, all about this vision back in March. And then this thing called lockdown happened, right? And uh, the world became a very different place. And, And so what we're wanting to do over the next couple of weeks is allow what God has said to us to give us some vision into our present situation, strange as it is right now. So today, I'm going to be looking at what it means for us to be a thriving community, And then next week, Ben, who leads the church, is going to be looking at us reaching Nottingham with the gospel. And then after that, we're going to have a week that we call Pledge Week, the 20th through to the 27th of September which will uh, allow us an opportunity to pledge our financial giving, uh, a wonderful part of our discipleship journey over the next kind of a year or so. And then following that, we'll pray into uh, all of this, this vision uh, during our deeper prayer week uh, that kicks off on, on Sunday the 27th. So that's where we're going today. Um, I want to... Um, I want to speak from um, uh, one of Paul's letters in the New Testament, a letter called 2 Corinthians. Now, 2 Corinthians is uh, one of the most personal of all of Paul's letters that he wrote. It's, it's full of emotion as he seeks to try and um, repair and restore something of, of, of his difficult and broken relationship with the church at Corinth. And it's all about how weakness is the way of the gospel, that it's in our challenges and in our trials where we see the power of God at work. And I don't know about you, but I find that such a comfort right now in all the difficulties that that we face. We're we're an embodied community and yet there's restrictions on how we can meet together. We're we're a family as a church and yet we can't all be together at the same time. We've got this, this message of, of power, but there's furloughs and job losses. There's um, loneliness and self-isolation. There's, uh, we, we, we're desperate for COVID to be over. And yet in our weakness, 2 Corinthians 12 says, his power is perfected just the start of the chapter I'm gonna be speaking from, chapter 13, it talks of Jesus himself who was crucified in weakness and yet now lives by the power of God. And that's our story too. We come to him in weakness and yet we live by his power. So today I'm looking at the very end of uh, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 13. Um, It's Paul's goodbye to the church, if you like. He said all of what he wants to say, now he's he's saying goodbye. And how many of you know that how you say goodbye says something about you? Just ask the couple at the end of their very first date. It's it's all in the goodbye, isn't it, as to whether they think they're going to get a second date together or not. Or maybe to use a, a very current example, think about a group Zoom call, which uh, most of us will have experienced. How you say goodbye says something about you. Maybe at the end of that group call, you are the bold unmuter. You come off mute, you say bye-bye everyone. And then suddenly everyone else piles in with a bye-bye, bye-bye. Perhaps you're the frantic waiver, you know, as the call ends, you kind of start and then the whole screen's there, suddenly kind of like this, following your lead. Perhaps you're the instant lever. Now, we, we all know people like this. The meeting has barely finished, and yet they're off. They're like, see ya, had enough. Or maybe you are the desirous socialite. You stay on that call until meeting is ended for all, craving conversation with others. How you say goodbye says something about you. And actually, Paul's goodbye here, inspired by the Holy Spirit, is a prayer. It's a prayer. And there's, there's, that's a point in itself, actually, that, that in our weakness, we have to know that prayer is the plug-in to power. Prayer is the plug-in to power. So let's, let's have a look um, at what he says. So 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 13, verse 14, um, the words will come up on the screen. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. Here's what it says. Here's what he prays for them. He says, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God, and what he means there is God the Father, that's a very common scriptural thing to uh, use the word God when God the Father is being mentioned. So the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. I've got a a funny history um, with with these verses. I I grew up um, as part of a church um, in uh, Stoke-on-Trent, where where I'm from, and at the end of the services uh, in that church, what we would all do, we'd all stand together and we would say these very words almost as a sort of blessing over one another. Um, But I I think for for many, sometimes the the power of the words got a little bit lost and and consumed by um, the the desire to turn round and to eyeball as many people in the congregation to try and kind of um, widen this blessing um, as you could. And so what it looks something like, uh, all these people kind of frantically spinning round of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. I remember it really strangely. And yet, as we say these words, we can't help but notice the Trinity come through. Now that word Trinity, it might be a a new word to you if if you're new to faith, but it's a word that that describes the triune God. God is one God, but three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Each one of them, 100% fully God, And yet there is one God. Now that blows our minds, that that defies our human limitation, but it means that we can be wowed by a God who is way beyond our comprehension. It describes our Father in heaven, from whom are all things, the giver of every good and perfect gift, an everlasting Father, a compassionate protector, It describes how he, for all of eternity, has been loving and delighting in the Son, Jesus Christ, the shepherd and overseer of our souls, our saviour, the firstborn from among the dead, the ruler of kings on earth, the radiance of the glory of God, the head of the church. And that love and delight is reciprocated and inspired by the Holy Spirit, the comforter, the counselor, the one who comes alongside us, who empowers and convicts and strengthens and reveals. What a God we have, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the perfect community, loving, and delighting in one another. And because this God is way beyond our comprehension, then so also must be his love for you. So also must be his forgiveness on your life. So also must be his power to change any circumstance in your life and see you through. You see, the Bible never attempts to simply explain the way the Trinity. It simply presents it as majestic, as an opportunity and cause for worship. But it doesn't stop there because it's not as if this God is, is some insular, impenetrable being that we never get close to. Because eternally, this has been a relationship where love continually overflows. Uh, Mike Reeves uh, wrote this wonderful book, The Good God, Enjoying Father, Son, and Spirit. It's only uh, 100 pages long, and it is absolutely cracking. It's a brilliant book, um, all about the Trinity. And, And here's something he says. He says, as a father, God gives life. That's who he is. So, before anything else began, for all of eternity, God the Father was loving, giving life to, and delighting in the Son. And Jesus, as the eternal Son, has forever been receiving that love. Wow. And so when God creates us and our world, it is an overflow of his love. The father in love sends out his word to create something new by the spirit. God in his very being is a God of overflow. And that means that your existence is the result of the overflowing love of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And as if that's not enough, in our salvation, as we come to know God, the Word of God, Jesus Christ, is sent out by the Father in the power of the Spirit to also create something new, the people of God, the church. And to do so, to share with them what has eternally been His, the love the glory and the communion that Jesus the Son has with God the Father. That is outright incredible. You say, well, what's that got to do with build a thriving community? And when do we get to the bit where there's the appeal to fill the serving rotors and turn up our own group? If we want to build a thriving community, we have to start with God himself. We are defined by him. We've got five priorities uh, as a, as a church this year. Uh, The first two of which are that we grow in God and that we grow in community together and that they're in that order for a reason, because as we grow in him, the life giving overflowing God, so also we grow together as a church. Our community is the result of and built by God's overflow of love. So let's have a look at what Paul says um, about this this community then. He talks of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. The grace, that means the unmerited favour of God on your life. You didn't deserve it. You couldn't earn it but he makes us righteous in his sight. He removes all of our sin and mistakes. He gives us access to his throne so that we can approach him boldly, with confidence, knowing our acceptance. Do you know Paul's favourite term for a Christian? Is someone who is in Christ. And that is because when someone becomes a Christian, when they accept the finished work of Jesus, that he died on the cross for their sins, that he was raised to life in power, defeating sin, defeating death, defeating our enemy. At that moment, that person is transferred right into the very heart of this relationship of life-giving, overflowing love between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That that is our existence now. That's where we are. That's our culture. That's our atmosphere. That's the place that we operate from now. And it means that God the Father's word over us is the same as that which he says of his own son. This is my son, whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. Because of Jesus, he is well pleased with you. I wonder if you feel that. I wonder if that has got deep inside you to free you from the condemnation of the world. You say, oh, JP, I've I've messed up. Yeah, we we all have. But Jesus' perfect victory ensures that forever God will be pleased with you. You say, oh, I, I keep letting God down. Let me tell you, your performance does not affect your position. And if that is not your present felt reality, I want to encourage you that you need the help of the community of the Trinity through the community of his people, the church. We're called Grace Church because grace is life-changing. It's so important. It's so central. And so I want to encourage you, have a chat to your home group leader if you're feeling that condemnation, if you're not feeling that freedom. Maybe ask for prayer, click the, the request prayer button and get one of the prayer team to, uh, to phone you up and, and pray for you. I will never forget the story in my, um, my one thing, uh, formerly intern year, and uh, this was uh, way back in, in 2008. Um talking to uh, one of my friends on, um, on our sofa, at our rented house in Lenton. And she was just telling me how though, um, though she loved God, she just felt like her lifestyle wasn't really kind of matching um, what she thought God would expect. She felt like she was letting God down uh, quite a lot. There was just like a heaviness over her. And I began to talk with her about the grace of God, about how Jesus' victory ensures God will forever be pleased with us. And as I did, you, you could visibly see something change in her. As like some, something, something repressive just broke. It was like she, she was unmasked. And tears of joy at her acceptance by God just began to roll down her face. And that's what grace does. It unmasks us. Grace is like the announcement from the government that we are all longing for one day. There is no need anymore to wear a mask. Grace unmasks us and it frees us so that we can become a community of grace, loving lavishly, checking in with one another regularly, championing one another by giving up of ourselves. We're in Christ now and this overflowing love and grace is the culture That we operate in. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we're we're in Christ, we're we're saved by grace, we're righteous in His sight. But then Paul goes on to say, the love of God. As we've seen, that's talking about God the Father. See, God goes one further and then He adopts us as His children into His family. Now, in New Testament times, adoption was not about absence. There is a huge need in our city, as we've, we've just heard from with, with John and Laura, for foster carers to take care of children whose, whose parents couldn't look after them and whether they go on to adoption or whether they don't. There's, there's a lack there, which is why we need more foster carers, reflecting the heart of God as we do. But in New Testament times, adoption was all about the sharing of resources, It was about inheritance. It was about looking for someone to actively shower your love upon. J.I. Packer, the Canadian theologian, wrote a wonderful book called Knowing God. He said, adoption is the highest privilege of the gospel. He even said that a Christian is someone who knows God as father. You see, the thing about the love of our Heavenly Father is that once we get it, we just want to give it. And, and then as we give, we find that, that we get more. We find that we begin to live as a child whose dad generously pays for everything. We live as we get the, the, the love of God on our lives. We live in this spirit of overflow, of kindness, of generosity, of reaching out. And what's happening there is that we're beginning to take on the family likeness. Many of you will know Rick and Cheryl Loosemore, who um, just a few weeks ago, actually uh, left Grace Church to go and plant uh, the River Church Newcastle um, as part of our Grace Connection family of churches. And Rick and Cheryl are just a wonderfully generous family, generous with their time, with their money, with their food, with their, their family, and almost coincidentally, and yet, it's not a coincidence, regularly they would receive gifts to help them with their move to Newcastle or just to help their family life. He says they got the love of God and were generous with it, God just blessed them with more. And it's not that we, we get to give, but it's just that when you know the love of God in your life, it causes you to do radical things. Yeah, I was was so encouraged at the start of lockdown, someone in the church uh, gave a gift just shy of 10,000 pounds for the care and upkeep of, of people in the church family. And we've been able to use that to, help people in um, all sorts of vulnerabilities and help people where jobs have been lost and um, buy phones for people so they can access Zoom and church online, things like that. You know, it's things like that, that the love of God, it causes us to do radical things because our God's a God of overflow. You know, a thriving community delights in this overflowing love and then asks, Father, who can I bless this week? I wanna encourage you, why not ask that question of your heavenly father this week? Father, who can I bless this week and how? And we could see hundreds of acts of kindness released across the church. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, our father. But then finally, Paul talks about the fellowship of the Holy Spirit to top it all we are sealed with the holy spirit and given a precious fellowship with him do you know in in the bible the relationship between god and his people is is talked of as being um like a marriage and um when i proposed to my wife emma um, back in uh, 2013 um, i've written that in my notes it's not that i don't know it it's just i don't if you're married you, you may or may not find this that. If there is any pause of answering the question, when did you get together or when did you get engaged or when did you get married? If there's any pause, you sound like you don't know. So definitely 2013, definitely logged in my mind, not got it tattooed on my arm or anything, but I definitely know it. But when I proposed to Emma, I spent an absolute age looking at engagement rings. I became an expert in the four C's and I've no idea what they are now. I went to so many shops with so many people and all because I wanted to get it right because the ring is the sign of the the marriage that is to come. And that's the role of the Holy Spirit. He is the deposit that guarantees us of what's to come, that reminds us of the great marriage to come. And Paul says here that he prays that we would have a fellowship with him. It's, it's the Greek word koinonia, and what it refers to is, is incredibly close community, where, where two people are invited to participate in something together. And that's that's what Paul's praying for here, a participation and an intimacy with the Holy Spirit. You know, there's been a couple of times um, this, this week where um, when I've woken up, I've I just felt a bit stressed or overwhelmed of the day that's to come, the tasks that need to be done, the, the deadlines, whatever. Been a bit unsettling, felt a bit panicky. And, and, and yet in the kindness of God, as I've walked in the woods, he's, he's just spoken tenderly to me and encouraged me that He's with me, that He's got me, that He fights my battles. He's, um, as I've sat down on the sofa, he's, he's just reminded me of the truths of who I am in him, of his faithfulness to me. And that's just a, a little bit of something of w- w- that, what it means to have fellowship with the Holy Spirit, a joining with him and an intimacy as we hear him, him speak to us and encourage us and strengthen us. And what I found and what is biblically true is that he breeds within us love for God and for others. He breeds within us joy in who we are. He breeds within us peace and patience and all of the other fruit of the Spirit. You know, earlier I, I said that we, we really need to get hold of the fact that prayer is the plug-in to power. Well, actually, that's another way of simply describing fellowship with holy spirit it's talking and walking with him that's what we get to do as a community and that actually is where our response begins with him in the quiet place placed at the heart of this beautiful relationship of overflowing love of father son and spirit that changes us and then overflows into our church community, and then, of course, into the world around us. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you don't know him personally, and your next step from this message is to decide that you are giving your life over to God right now. You're going to live for him now. You're gonna accept that he died on the cross for your sins to forgive you, that he rose again in power, that you too might be a a new person. Well, I'd encourage you, take that step. What are you waiting for? This is the most precious, incredible thing ever, to intimately know the God of the universe. And do tell someone in the church if you do. But if you are part of Grace Church, if you are part of the the church family and you would call yourself a Christian, I wanna ask you, How is your walk with God right now? Is is this how you see Him? Does the Trinity feature in your relationship with Him? Do you see Him all at the same time as a grace-giving Savior, as a life-giving Father, as the Spirit, your comforting and closest friend? Because you know, I'm I'm not speaking today to hundreds of individuals. I'm speaking to us today as an army, as a family, as a flock. We we fight and live and follow him together. We thrive together. And when when one one of us is hurting, we all hurt. We need one another to fulfill this great mission that Jesus has given to us. We may reach our own little parts of this city by ourselves with with God, but, but it's as a family, That truly we will see this vision fulfilled. Father, Son and Holy Spirit, a thriving community overflowing with grace, love and fellowship. Let's ask him this week who it is that we can bless and how and let me finish by praying that the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us. See you soon.